This episode of the Policing Matters podcast is sponsored by the Master of Science in Law Enforcement and Public Safety Leadership Program at the University of San Diego. Learn how this nationally ranked online program can help you be a force for change at san diego.edu slash police one. You're listening to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. Hey, welcome back, and thanks for listening. Well, today, we have a show about uh, something that's been creeping up on our radar over the last few years. Uh, You're sleeping, you're the middle of the night, and you hear this grinding or this mechanical sound outside and you wave it off you go back to sleep and you wake up and you come out in the morning to get your morning newspaper and there uh, is the remnants of your catalytic converter on your car or your neighbors it seems like most of us know someone if we're not the victim ourselves of a catalytic converter theft well we have a couple gentlemen on the show today that are going to talk about uh, the state of things and maybe how you can prevent the catalytic converter theft of your own vehicles. Catalytic converter thefts have soared in recent years thanks largely to the spiking prices of precious metals contained within them. The sudden rise has created an urgent need to, for police to find ways to deter thefts. To help law enforcement agencies address the crisis, Carfax for Police compl- compiled a catalytic converter replacement report that identifies the most targeted vehicles nationally, regionally, and by state. The data is based on Carfax service reports for catalytic converter replacements for more than 60,000 service shops across the country between 2019 and the three months of 2022. In addition to the report, Carfax for Police is hosting a free event on Tuesday, June 7th at 1 p.m., called Investigating Trends, Catalytic Converter Theft. Well, my my guests today are veteran police officers with experience in investigations with a specialty in catalytic converter thefts. Senior Trooper Robert Ivey is a criminal investigator, Bureau of Criminal Investigations and Intelligence for the Florida Highway Patrol. Trooper Ivey joined the Florida Highway Patrol in September of 2006, where he was assigned to Florida Turnpike in Fort Pierce, Florida. In 2009, he was assigned to the Criminal Interdiction Unit as a canine handler, where his primary duties included highway narcotics interdiction. In 2018, he was assigned to the Bureau of Criminal Investigations and Intelligence in Tallahassee, Florida, as a criminal investigator. His duties include investigating crimes such as driver's license fraud, title fraud, auto theft, uh, revin stolen vehicles, credit card fraud, identity theft, odometer fraud, and catalytic converter thefts. Wow, that's a mouthful. Welcome, uh, Trooper Robert Ivey. Thank you. Glad to be here. And Lieutenant Michael Ledeau is retired. He's the Director of Business Development at Carfax for Police, NEIAATI board member and IACP Vehicle Crimes Committee. Lieutenant Michael Ledeau retired from the Nashua, New Hampshire Police Department in December 2011 after serving the agency for more than 24 years. His experience in police work is very diverse, having worked in nearly every bureau within his agency. Upon retirement from police work, Michael immediately took a position with Carfax in the newly formed Carfax for Police program. 
Michael has worked extensively with law enforcement agencies in the United States and Canada. He also serves as the board of directors for NEIAATI and is also a member of the International Association of Chiefs of Police Vehicle Crime Committee. Hey, welcome to Policing Matters, Lieutenant Michael Lado. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate you having us on. Hey, it's great. I mean, it's great when uh, the private sector, you know, steps up when they see a problem. You know, oftentimes in law enforcement, we don't have the funding to do this kind of research, set up databases and employ experts like yourselves uh, to combat this emerging crime. Uh, thanks for your focus. Tell us about the state of things today. Well, it, you know, it's an emer- as you said, it's it's an emerging crime, and I think Robert can talk a little bit more later about you know how the crime is being investigated now by um, the guys that are still active uh, in the field. Um, but what we've noticed, particularly over the last eighteen months, is is this trend in, in all of this dialogue in the media uh, about catalytic converter theft, and it just doesn't seem to be going away. And at Carfax for Police, we have the largest vehicle history database in, in the world. And we said, hey, do we have data that some of our data guys could crunch to look at, you know, maybe help not only law enforcement, but the consumer protect their vehicles? So, you know, that's that's kind of what this was born from is, is in a lot of our research tools that we provide, not only to the automotive industry, but to the law enforcement industry as well they're just born out of necessity. And obviously right, right now this, this catalytic converter issue is, is, you know, it's, we need to fix it. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think really helpful is the Excel spreadsheet that talks about the vehicles that are targeted most likely. Uh, you know, recently I was going on a golf trip with a friend. We were going to meet and leave a car at a parking lot. And uh, my buddy says, uh, you can park there, but I want to let you know, we, there've been a lot of catalytic converter thefts from that parking lot. I'm like, Thanks a lot. Let's leave your car. Uh, Robert, what, if, what are the stories you're hearing about uh, people saying it's, uh, is, is this database public? Can the public see it? Um, what's the feedback you're getting from law enforcement officers? So as far as the, the spreadsheet and everything, that's coming from Carfax. I know they have released some data from it. Um, but this is something that we are seeing a lot more. Um, and it's it's really it varies in every area where it happens. Um, there's really no rhyme or reason to it. Is if there's a car left abandoned or left unattended, it, it's a target. Um, it doesn't matter if it's in a parking lot or on the side of the interstate. Yeah, I've actually had friends. Um, they they went for a bike ride. They parked their their uh, vehicle at a county park, and they come back and you know start up their car and they this awful sound you know that that familiar sound of your catalytic converter uh, missing i've seen some different sorts of things advertised to if not deter then to prevent theft altogether uh, a shield that you could be that can be mounted under the vehicle uh, are you seeing any trends like that anything that's helping uh, the situation so th- there is a number of different um anti-theft devices for catalytic converters. Um, Nothing that I've actually seen. Um, It's not anything we've ran across. However, you have a couple different types. You have uh, a couple of ones are called cat clamp and cat strap. They're they're both basically steel cables that that wrap around the catalytic converter and through the frame rails. Uh, And then you have kind of what you were talking about, which is called a cat shield, uh, which is a metal shield that goes over the catalytic converter. 
I think they can be a deterrent. Yes. Um, but it's honestly more of a visual deterrent. If somebody goes underneath the car, they see that they either don't have the tools to deal with it or don't want to spend that time on it. Um, I think it can be a deterrent that way, but if it's something where they have the tools, uh, and they have the time and let's just say that catalytic converter, it has a high enough value on it that it's, it's worth it to them. Honestly, I think you're only adding an extra 30 seconds to maybe a minute to the theft. Um, it's, they can still be very easily defeated as long as they have the tools. Yeah. And it seems to me that, you know, it's great having cordless tools. I love them. Right. Uh, but oh, absolutely. <laughs> the grinders now, you know, they're almost pocket sized and, uh, you know, you've got the old cable cutters and you've got sawzalls that are all, uh, you know, battery operated or these, are these, what you're seeing is the tools most likely to take the catalytic converter. Yeah. The most common things we're seeing is they're, they're typically going to have a floor jack, um, make it a little bit easier to get under the car quicker. Um, and then you're going to have a sawzall reciprocating, reciprocating saw, uh, type thing. And usually a grinder, um, that's going to be the three most common tools. And then they're usually going to have some form of setup in the car of a way to recharge the batteries. Mm. Uh, so usually a power converter and, and a charger, uh, they're going to have it wired into the car somehow. Yeah. So I, to a responding officer, you pull somebody over and they've got catalytic converters in the back seat. That's the next thing you're taking all of that. I, I imagine. Correct. Yes. So, um, you know, it's funny that you talk about the Jack, <laughs> funny that they're driving around with a Jack, but it seemed like the number one vehicle, and I don't want to say what it is, but it is a truck. And it, it makes sense that the clearance is, I mean, you don't need a Jack. It's right. you, you've got that, uh, so are trucks the the number one target? Well, we're seeing, you know, it really varies by region, but I would say overall our statistics show that nationwide because trucks um, sit up higher off the ground, you know, they're a softer target, more accessible. I know, you know, one of the things Robert is, is, is battling against in Florida is just broken down vehicles along the interstate where it doesn't matter what type of vehicle it is. But I can say that, you know, when you look at the numbers, um, you know, the Dodge Chevy Ford, I'll make trucks that sit high up off the ground that are used in construction and sometimes as fleet vehicles, um, real easy to get underneath those, like Robert was mentioning with a grinder or a sawzall and, you know, take that catalytic converter off. And, you know, we, I just recently watched a video that Carfax uh, produced in less than a minute. So it's, it's, you know, it is not something that takes a lot of time. That's for sure. And I mean, if you have four or five trucks as a fleet parked next to one another, you know, especially Jim during COVID when they weren't out working as much, you know, they were idle school buses were idle. They're just, you know, it's, it's pretty easy under the cover of darkness to be able to go out there and really clean up. Yeah, for sure. And then the market, I mean, are we doing anything to address the market, the people that are buying these things? It's, it's really tough because, and we were just talking about this today. I'm actually at the uh, Northeast IID vehicle conference. And we were talking about this exact topic because they're getting wise to everything. And they're oftentimes now they're cutting um, the catalyst, the catalytic, catalytic converter actually has the catalyst in the middle in a honeycomb. So they'll cut that open and then discard the actual 
metal shell that goes around um, the catalytic converter piece and uh, just save the catalyst. So even these marking campaigns, Jim, aren't always going to be super effective because if I cut it off and then cut the husk away, take the middle stuff out of the middle out. Now, now there's really, I mean, I, I don't know if you're seeing that, Robert, but there's no way to detect that either. It's just like, you know, they can just throw the metal piece away, even if it had a, a marking, because there's marking campaigns that are going on across the United States, oftentimes sponsored by uh, different insurance companies or, or automotive garages and things like that. So it's, you know, trying to stay one step ahead of the bad guy oftentimes is really difficult and they know what law enforcement is doing out there. And then the third party purchases of these oftentimes are, not always above board either. I think the above board ones stay away from them. And that is something we have seen some. Um, oftentimes they'll, uh, like Michael said, they'll they'll get the catalyst out and they'll just toss the shell out the window as they're driving down the interstate. Um, you know, it's pretty easy to figure out what it's from. It's usually cut down the side and it's just sitting on the side of the road. It's easy to figure it out. Um, but an officer on the road that's making a traffic stop Oftentimes we'll look at it and not necessarily think about what it could be or anything. And a lot of times they're just emptying it out into a five gallon bucket, you know, a bucket from home Depot or something. And it's just going to be full of that metal screen. Um, and if someone just takes the time to, to look at it um, and then put that with the tools that they're seeing and things like that, um, you know, that, that, invest, that investigation can go somewhere from there. Yeah, I want to get into a little bit into um, prevention methods, but also, you know, the end buyer of of the catalytic converter catalysts. Um, But first, I'd like to take a moment and thank our sponsor. Do you want to be a better leader? Who doesn't, right? The University of San Diego has created an incredible online master's degree specifically for law enforcement professionals. The Master of Science in Law Enforcement and Public Safety Leadership Program was developed by law enforcement for law enforcement, and it's consistently ranked as one of the best online programs in the country. Whether you're preparing for promotion or simply want to be the best leader you can be, the MS Lepsol Program will help you be a force for change. Affordable, online, and endorsed by law enforcement. Learn more at San Diego dot edu slash police one and we're back and i'm speaking with trooper robert trooper robert ivy and michael Ledeau from carfax for police and okay give us the bad news what has been consistently the targeted vehicles of choice are is there a rhyme or reason are they american are they foreign we talked a little bit about trucks what, what are the trends that you're seeing I'll talk a little bit about what we're seeing from uh, <clears throat> from a statistical overview. And the data that we have at Carfax is really compiled on nearly 70,000 service and repair shops across the United States. And that service data that comes into Carfax, our data folks have looked at, you know, trends in servicing catalytic converters. And, you know, they've used a bunch of different um, formulas and they've they've you know excluded vehicles who might have a catalytic converter recall and things like that and they've really drilled this down this list down to what is a very valuable research tool and 
based on that, we did a, uh, you know, a, a public offering on the Carfax for police page for consumers on, you know, what, what's going on, just public information. And then we're going to make the list uh, available. We actually have made it available to law enforcement, but we're going to launch it during our catalytic converter investigating trends presentation. And what we've really seen is depending on what area of the country is really depending on what type of vehicle, but by and large, one of the vehicles that we're seeing uh, a, a dramatic uptick in catalytic converter theft is, is the Toyota Prius from 2001 to 2019. And why is that? Well, the catalyst in the Toyota Prius is because often they're the type of vehicle they are, they're an economical vehicle. The catalyst is more valuable. The catalyst isn't getting destroyed as much. So the value of the catalyst the rhodium palladium inside the catalytic converter is of greater value. And it's, it, you know, the, 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 the bad guys out there are quickly able to figure out which ones are more valuable. And, you know, like Robert mentioned earlier, you're not going to climb under a Toyota Prius. You know, you have to have some type of jack to get that up. Um, so it, it's not as easy a target as, you know, we mentioned the Ford trucks and the Chevy trucks and the Dodge trucks earlier. Um, but the value of the catalytic material inside, um, oftentimes, you know, they're getting more from those who are collecting that type of material, you know, and the trends show something like, I'll give you an example, Jim, in the Northeast, um, the Toyota Prius uh, experienced about a 0.3% repair rate in 2019. Uh, and in 2022, that repair rate is up to 1.6%. So almost six times as much as it was back then. And that's, that's just a direct indication. I mean, they're not getting that bad over, over a three-year period. The failure rate on a catalytic converter, you know, talking to industry experts over a 10-year period is, is, is really less than about 3%. So 97% of the vehicles out there are not going to need any catalytic converter work, probably in the lifetime that you own them. So to see this failure rate rising six times over three years, you sit there and go, Carfax is having to service these vehicles for catalytic converter issues because they've probably been stolen, or at least with a 90 plus percent accuracy, they've been stolen. Something we're seeing is, I think it also depends on the group uh, that that's doing this. Oftentimes we see that it's more than one person doing this. Usually you have someone underneath the vehicle and you have someone acting as a lookout. Um, and I think some groups are doing more targets of opportunity. Um, with us, we see a lot of vehicles that have been left abandoned on the side of the interstate. Um, they're not, they're not going to be picky on that. It's, it's a target of opportunity. Um, you know, that, that can be any type of vehicle. Um, but I think you have your other groups that are trying to target specific vehicles with, with a high value of return. Um, so I think it's, you know, specific vehicles for some groups and it's just trying to hit a high volume of catalytic converters for other groups um, until probably until they figure out, Hey, these ones get me more of a return. And then they probably transition the way they're doing it. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, you, you just touched on what I was going to ask you next. Who's doing this? Are you seeing a pattern there? Is there a, an element of organized crime or are they just, you know, two guys or three guys in a car you know, driving through neighborhoods looking for the best vehicles? Um, and a, a friend of mine, uh, another former law enforcement officer, 
who I worked with said, uh, they're not driving three to a car because they're, they're splitting up the profit. That doesn't make sense. But I think, like you said, there's at least two, two in on this. Are there any other uh, observations that law enforcement officers should be looking out for? I think it comes down to the areas that they're, they're targeting at the time. Um, We have seen where they've had three people in a car. Um, but a lot of those were targeting areas that were more in town. And so they're probably wanting more than one lookout. Mm. Um, the ones that we've seen on the interstate, a lot of times have been only two people. Um, it's a little bit easier to look out on the interstate. You pretty much only got two, two directions you got to watch. <laughs> um, whereas if you're in town, it's, there's a lot more to look out for. Yeah. And then the, the, the suspect vehicle, uh, any patterns, any behaviors there, trucks, vehicles loaded down. I mean, can you tell by the, you know, the trunk end weight rolling down, anything like that? We we've seen everything on that. There there's been no pattern to that. Um, Mm. looking at some things within that, um, we do see trucks, but oftentimes the catalytic converters are usually inside the cab. They're not in the bed. Um, but you will see a lot of times the tools in the bed. Um, and then me, I worked interdiction for a long time. I look at a lot of criminal indicators, things like that. They'll oftentimes have other things trying to conceal the tools, tires, uh, different things like that. Um, and those again, go with the floor jack. So it's just trying to conceal what they're doing. Yeah. So, I mean, it seems like on a, on a car stop that would give some reasonable suspicion to an officer to investigate further. You know, they, they see a car rolling around with a, a jack in the back and a bunch of cordless tools. Yeah. I, you know, one of the things, the the crime of opportunity thing is just so, it's so prevalent. And then the boldness and the brazenness with which the um, offenders sometimes do this stuff is, is absolutely amazing too. And I don't know if, if you had a chance to do any research on this at all, Jim, but um, in early April, there was a Harris County off-duty deputy who was shopping with his family in Walmart. He walks out into the parking lot of a Walmart uh, with his family returning to his vehicle. And, you know, a Walmart parking lot is a busy place. And there's a team of three in the process of taking his catalytic converter and others off vehicles in the parking lot. Uh, and, you know, they wind up exchanging gunfire and, you know, Deputy Al- Almaderos was killed off duty while you know this is this kind of crime is going on it's just it's unbelievable the brazenness and you know the lack of i think i think it really the spectrum of the folks that are doing this is all the way from super organized groups and then you know the stereotypical they're just doing doing it to buy meth and just sell these things as fast as they can and everything in between Mm. it's absolutely crazy there's no method to the madness and it's it, it, it's crazy yeah yeah it's it's just an opportunity and you, as you point out it's no longer just a property theft but uh, can can escalate pretty quickly right has there been any movement by vehicle manufacturers in designing theft resistant catalytic converters it seems like i mean because it is such a a common problem now are we are they talking about putting alarms on them are they talking about strengthening the connections in between um or 
you know, putting under, you know, mounted cameras underneath vehicles, anything like that? We, a lot of the, you know, I, a lot of the different things I've heard is, you know, marking data on the catalytic converter from the OEM manufacturers. I think a lot of the manufacturers now are aware of, of the issue. And I, I would imagine that you'll start to see, you know, legislation change too in, in states to, uh, to really address this crime as to what it is, which is, you know, a really serious crime uh, on both, you know, the offender's behalf of who's the person who's stealing them, but also the people who are buying them. And I think, you know, I've heard all kinds of things too, uh, things uh, from, you know, placing the catalytic converter higher up in the exhaust system. So it's more difficult to get to. So you just can't crawl underneath. But, you know, the interesting thing is when you talk to some, I was, I was with uh, George Baker, who's a GM guy. And, you know, he said, that's not an easy change. You know, that that's a whole design of a vehicle and, 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 you know, these small changes can cost companies a lot of money. So, you know, I don't find, you know, Robert mentioned it earlier. I've seen some stuff on these cable lock systems and things like that. And I don't find, I don't know that that would slow somebody down very much. I think really, really, it really has to be either positioned in a place where they can't get to it, or there has to be some kind, some type of better, more permanent marking campaign where they can't even break open the canister and hide what the true identity of the vehicle is. And I don't know what that looks like, but something like that would be the most effective way to go about doing it. You know, I was talking to Robert earlier and he said, you know, if you can't get through the cable lock system with a Sawzall, he's seeing a lot of angle grinders and that'll get through it in no time at all. Right, Robert? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if anything, we might just be delaying the inevitable. Uh, Anything like a a tracker or, you know, something that's, um, that, that gets enabled at the point of, of being dislodged. Yeah. And that might be a good, you know, that might be a solution where, you know, you, they're able to do things now with, you know, these, these tracking devices, like these, you know, the little Apple devices and a little tile devices, maybe, you know, something like that gets built in, you know, the where it's more traceable. Yeah. Right? It, it, it can be alerted, something like that. Sure. But I mean, at the end, I really feel like a lot of times, you know, the, you know, if we take away the demand, for this, then we really take away the opportunity, right? Like you can, you can steal them all you want. They're not worth anything. And it's very difficult to sell them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the old uh, inspections of pawn shops seem to right. have cut down on, on returned uh, stolen property, but maybe the auto, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a metal wrecker or who, who's the end buyer of the catalytic converter um, elements, but yeah, that, that would be a good place to go to the source. So I noticed that, you know, thinking about it, I was like, wow, Tesla's nowhere on the list. And then it occurred to me, well, Tesla's don't have catalytic converters, but Tesla's are, uh, seem to be low on stolen vehicle lists, seem to be low on vehicles that are um, uh, boosted for parts. And I've got to think that their 360 uh, video um, security system has a lot to do with that. Um, are there, are, are the manufacturers looking at these kinds of deterrents that the Tesla has? I don't know if they, I don't know that they are, but obviously, I mean, you've done your research there and I, you know, I was talking with uh, a Tesla owner today and we actually viewed his Tesla in California from Rhode Island. And we were able to look at the perimeter of the vehicle in seconds all the way around. 
you know, when I talk to him about that, I mean, it's, you know, the vehicle can be pin enabled, so it's more difficult to steal. Um, the vehicle is um, much more trackable simply because um, unlike pulling into a gas station and filling your car up with gas, you have to charge it at an EV station, um, and, you know, and that's all tracked. So it's very difficult to hide that electronic data where it's easy to hide a gas fill up. It is not easy to, when the vehicle plugs it in a charging station in Newport, Rhode Island, Tesla knows where that vehicle is. So, you know, the, the theft rate on those vehicles is very low and the recovery rate when they are stolen is, you know, almost a hundred percent. Yeah. And, and Tesla, even, even with the cameras, which have been very beneficial to law enforcement across the country uh, on different crimes. Uh, it's not something I've ran into, but I have talked to other people that have, that have dealt with it and has been very helpful with solving different crimes. But Tesla even has the ability to, to shut those cars off. Um, so even once it's stolen, they can, they can shut it off and, and locate it. And so it's a lot of times they're recovered very quickly, uh, even if they are stolen. Yeah, I mean the 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 return of auto stolen autos uh, is is pretty high anyway, but a hundred percent sounds <laughs> even better. Yeah. So you're going to host uh, this investigations webinar. How can our listeners attend, and what are you going to be talking about? So they can attend by going to the trainings tab at CarfaxForPolice.com, um, and it's uh, you know it's going to be probably an hour to an hour hour and a half event. Um, we're pretty fortunate to have um, Rusty Russell from the National Insurance Crime Bureau. We're going to have uh, a couple of members of the Florida Highway Patrol. You have one here with you today, and a former FHP guy who works for the National Insurance Crime Bureau now. Uh, and then we're going to have uh, Tom Burke from the NYPD, uh, 37 plus years in, in, in law enforcement and vehicle crime. Uh, and they've just started a marking campaign uh, at the NYPD uh, and throughout New York State now. Um, for catalytic converter marking. So we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about uh, real world experiences with uh, Robert and Brandon. And we're going to talk about uh, campaigns to identify and mark these catalytic converters. We're going to talk about trends that the National Insurance Crime Bureau is seeing. And obviously, uh, as you mentioned before, we're going to talk a little bit about our list of trending vehicles and trending vehicles by region and state and things like that. So uh, it's going to be a really interesting uh, event. We did a catalytic converter investigating trends event in the fall. Uh, we had about uh, 1,100 attendees from across the U.S., actually across the globe, um, Canadian and overseas, because they're battling this overseas as well. Hmm. Um, so it should be uh, it should be a really interesting um, event, and there's going to be a lot of great material. And there's a lot of networking that goes on there too, Jim. So these guys are from agencies all over the world and they, they make connections or, or they make a contact and they know that, you know, they have a common interest in, in this, in this crime and other crimes that are related. And uh, it's just a wonderful opportunity for them to, to connect as well. That's great. You know, uh, like I said, at the beginning, it's great when private sector steps up, sees, uh, you know, some of the gaps uh, It'd be great if the NIJ, you know, National Institute of Justice uh, jumped in on something like this, but you guys are doing it. It's great. Uh, like you say, good networking, you'll hear stories from other jurisdictions and what they're doing. Uh, so yeah, uh, we will post the the links in the show notes and let our listeners know uh, how to look up the database. Uh, it is valuable. It is something good to see. And, you know, I always say, arm yourself, 
with knowledge. And this is a, a good start taking a look at this database. Hey, thanks so much. Any uh, last words, Trooper Robert Ivey and retired Lieutenant Michael Ledeau? No, I appreciate you having us, Jim. I appreciate you folks bringing more awareness to this because I know you have a great outreach and a lot of folks are really paying attention to what's going on here. And, um, you know, I hope folks attend this event because I think they'll find it valuable and it'll be a great follow-up to our discussion today. Great. Hey, thanks again. And uh, to our listeners, look below in the show notes for the links to the webinar and to the database. And uh, we're going to revisit this um, maybe uh, in the next half year and and see where we're going with this. Hopefully uh, we can nip this one before it is epidemic. And thanks for listening. I hope you're staying safe out there. I hope today's show was interesting. And if you want to hear about a different topic, different people to talk with, uh, let me know. Drop me a line at policingmatters at policeone.com, policingmatters at policeone.com. Stay safe. I'm Jim Dudley.